And David Wiener just is the guy who showed his wiener. That's my David Wiener's just a name you made up when you compiled a guy. Two There's a guy. TV writer's name. <laughs> when I'm torrenting on recordings, internet, it sends a warning, and I don't think it'll download in time. By the time I've watched the show, it's half a time to go. Turn to one more swing and make the show sit right. Alright, so 2009, Screech releases a book called Behind the Bell. Alright. And on the cover, he looks like a low-ramp wizard. Which is different (laughs) than his sex tape, which was called Saved by the Smell, I believe. Speaking of low-ramp wizard, one of the many allegations in this book is that Max was fucking Doogie Hauser. Yeah, that's just something that casually brought it. He... They were just hanging out, you guys. Well, and a lot of his stories are about his bitterness that no one wanted to hang out with him. Because he's totally like, Max invited me to some thing, but then he invited Doogie Hauser instead, and they were having gay sex. Yeah. yeah. It, it really comes off bitter, and it comes off as, you feel like he never gained perspective on what it's like to grow up. And maybe it's just a childhood star thing, but like, that's just high school. There's always going to be like some yeah. hierarchy. And yeah. you're going to feel shit upon every once in a while. And it feels well, like he never got over that or realized that maybe he shat upon other people too, which I can get into right now if we want to talk about it. Yeah, yeah to me, let's the talk thing, about the poop. The <laughs> thing that really like summarizes the whole book to me is this anecdote he tells about how he's like saying how everyone on the cast would just tell him to shut the fuck up all the time, didn't like him. And, and that then, endeared me to the rest of the cast. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And then... There's, like, an extra one time who's, like, getting in good with the cast. Yes, this was what I was going to say. Go on. Yeah, and she belittles him in front of everyone, like, along with them. And then, and you're like, oh, that is fucked up. And then he's like, and then I pissed in her purse. And And you're like, well, now I have no sympathy for you at all. Yeah, and what's worse about it is the reason, well, it's bad, but the reason he says he pissed in the purse because he's like, who the fuck are you? You're just an extra. Why does she talk to me like him? Like, he's right. always railing against this, like, hierarchy, but then as soon as he feels like he should be higher up on the hierarchy and someone, quote, lower than him is trying to climb over him, then suddenly it's like, oh, well, then it's all right for me to pee in her purse because, you know, she's just a lowly extra. Because she's a peon. Yeah. So he peed on her. Mm-hmm. Well, he does, doesn't seem to have a concept of, like, Wait, you're the asshole in that story. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Curse. The other time, I... and this is a minor one, that I thought he was an asshole. I'm sure I've, no one else even has it. <laughs> it was when he went to Vegas for the wedding and he just stole all the coin cups. From yeah. The I wrote that one down. Oh my God, what? He's like, I had cups for years. <laughs> I question. That's one of those where I'm like, I just, you've, you've spewed so much bullshit. I don't trust anything. Why would like, you lie about yeah, that? Yeah. I like trust that story problem. more than the fact that he's also fucking a showgirl at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah. for sure. And that his dad. Um, so they, they go to a casino and what do they like? Won't let them drink or something because they're underage. They won't let them gamble because they're underage. They won't let them gamble because they're Be able to drink and gamble. So then he Seriously. steals all the change cups from the whole casino. Yeah. And then they go to another casino and do it again. Well, I don't question. I feel like he stole a bunch of uh-huh. cups. Yeah. Did he steal uh-huh. them all? Probably not. I bet you a casino has a crap right. ton of them. I bet you they're just like, a lot of people <laughs> is- getting change buckets today. Let's put out some more. I also bet that if the casino 
denied a <laughs> quasi high profile actor from gambling because he's underage, they wouldn't have then just let him roam freely around the casino <laughs> for the length of time it would have taken him to gather up every single one of those cups. Well, he said he was kicked out of the casino, and that's not true. They let underage people in a casino in Vegas. Well, and if he was gamble. kicked out, how did he get back in to steal I the know, cups? It's dumb. What if the casino goons captured the screech and like broke his fingers over the fucking cups? That would be cool. I think the story uh, really is he went in there and like tried to do, like gamble or drink or something, and they're like, "Nah, kid, you're not old enough." And so then he just stole all the, like he was never actually kicked out, and then he just stole right. all the cups. Pretty yeah. cool, or dude. as many cups as he could, and that's awesome. And then he presumably went and found that showgirl, and then did her again. And was that like Showgirls? Did she do it to him fish style? <laughs> <laughs> I assume that's the flappy, only way they That's how um, Showgirls do it. So for me, the big, my big takeaway from this book was three things. Like the three things that really drove me the most nuts about it. His central premise, and he says this in the intro, is celebrities are people too. We're flawed like everybody else. And that seems to be, like, in any sort of, like, structural integrity this book has, that seems to be, like, the overall point he's trying to make. Mm -hmm. And he acts Mm -hmm. like he is this, like, this, like, radical speaker of the truth by speaking (laughs) that. And I'm like, everyone fucking knows, like, it's 2009. Like, if you wrote this book in 1995 and were like, guess how much fucking sex the cast is saved by the bells having backstage, mm-hmm. that would have shocked people. In 2009, you're like, whatever, kids have sex, let's move on. Like, this isn't <laughs> the groundbreaking revelation that he seems to think it is. And he repeatedly throughout the book will talk about, like, you may have thought they were squeaky clean, but here's all the crazy shit. And I'm like, no one in 2009 is surprised that they weren't squeaky clean. Like, what? They aren't like the characters on the show? I'm shocked. I cannot believe this. Wait, wasn't Saved by the Bell a documentary? Yeah, like, so, like, that's his central premise to the book, and I just can't get past how not a big revelation that is. The other thing that he does that's... Yeah, and then the other thing he does that's super annoying is he'll start to tell a story, and you think it's going in one direction, and then he <laughs> just ends it with something completely unrelated. And the example like, that I keep thinking of is mm-hmm. the discussion of being at the Kids' Choice Awards with Lark mm-hmm. Voorhees. And he's like, this was at the height of Nickelodeon's popularity and people getting slimed, and they asked me if I could get slimed but I was wearing a shirt that I got from wardrobe and oh, wardrobe really be good. Wardrobe mm. really gets mad. If you mess up their shirts, like you have to return those in pristine condition. So then I met crisscross. I made a disparaging <sighs> comment about how they're one hit wonders. And that was the end of the chapter. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck did you just spend a page and a half talking about the wardrobe <laughs> and your shirt and getting slime? Nothing that did anything to do with anything. And A, that story also points out what Ryan was saying in that Screech is always telling these stories like other people are the asshole, yet going Uh up to somebody like Criss Cross and telling them they're a one-hit wonder makes you the asshole, Dustin Diamond. Right. Even if it's true, you don't have to be like, (laughs) you guys are no-talent hacks that only have one hit. There's and like he's an entire, also a one-hit wonder himself. But there's know. like an entire chapter that's just a compilation. It's called like Celebrities I've Met. Yeah. It'll be like, 
It'll be like in every single story is that he met some other D-list celebrity and he tried to be cool <laughs> with them and then he didn't like, they didn't respond to him or they didn't like him. And then he said something shitty about them. It's like yeah. every single him meet, like he talks about meeting Fred Savage and he calls him a douche nozzle. Like, mm-hmm. every... uh, he might be right about that. Well, probably. Maybe. Yeah, but he... The problem is you just can't trust him. He's so unreliable as the narrator. Well, the other yeah. thing is, like, in the first fucking paragraph of the book, he calls uh, Kelly Kapowski, like, a set whore and a Hollywood yeah. pass-around girl. And he talks about how fat her ass is. Well, like, so, yeah, no, he talks about how her ass will be fat in the future yeah. for the most part. And just because she has a mom with a fat ass, that should make her nicer to him. He's totally the meanest to Kelly. Guess what, Dustin Diamond? Right now it's 2016, and she has a cooking show, and she's not fat, and she's still smoking hot, so you're kind of wrong about all of that. And also, you know, there's, like, fat, and there's Hollywood fat. I was thinking about this during Showgirls. I might not have said it perfectly, but, like, yeah. Like, even if Kelly was, like, 40 pounds over 120 pounds, she'd be a a beautiful 160-pound woman, and that would be fucking fine. That's the Hollywood lens. The biggest problem for Screech is that when... Kelly's mom had a fat ass when they were on the Malibu Sands. They changed the catering. And so I would have Screech been mad about hated. That too. Well, it's not her fault. <laughs> That's society. I'm glad he suffered. And I don't even that think she had a fat ass, though. Bad. I don't even think it was Hollywood fattering. It, it wasn't. It's just because her no. mom was fat. In terms of like the crisscross anecdote, <laughs> his premise seems to be that if you as a celebrity don't recognize your failings or the fleetingness of your fame, then you're an asshole. <laughs> but that's the whole point of the book is that he doesn't understand. Yet, yet the whole point is that he hasn't figured that out yet. Yeah, he's chasing fame all over the place. He goes up to Chris Cross and he's like, man, you guys sure are one hit wonders. And they're like, uh, no, we're not. When they're assholes for not realizing that they're one hit <laughs> right. wonders, like that doesn't make any sense. And a lot of this book is also like padding in that like, mm-hmm. there's a large portion that just goes over his week, and it's kind of interesting of how Saved by the Bell is made. I figured you and Austin would really like that part. But it's super minute detail. Yeah. Uh-huh. That, And then he also, he has some weird obsession with commercials, and being on a commercial, and then describing the commercial in the most minute possible way of everything that happens on the commercial, and I'm like... I don't care about some commercial you were on, Dustin Diamond, when you were a kid. You don't have to spend a page and a half talking about I feel what like happened he did on it. An okay job of kind of. I mean, obviously, he didn't write this book or whatever, but um, mm-hmm. he did an okay. They did an okay job of kind of understanding what people wanted from a book yeah. like this. Like they don't talk yeah. about the college years very much, and they don't really talk mm-hmm. about the new class hardly at all. Like they're pretty good at going That's like, good. okay, people want to know about the behind the scenes. I want to know more about but, the college years. Yeah, good. But yeah, I also, me too. He, me too. He also every once in a while writes something that literally just makes no sense to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like well, there's he, a lot of wrote, broken sentences in the book. And stuff. well, no, like he said uh, <laughs> after one of his long diatribes about a commercial he is on, he said. Th- that commercial made me eligible for the Screen Actors Guild Award, but I only said one sentence, so I didn't qualify. <laughs> yeah, like, what does <laughs> like, that mean? Either you're eligible or you're not, and that's like saying, <laughs> or you're qualified or you're not, and that didn't, I don't know. It seemed like yeah, he was no, just... Yeah, that's, that's English. <laughs> David, that's a nice segue into the third major arc theme of this book that drove me nuts, which is just the flagrant inconsistencies and like straight up wrong 
information that no one involved bothered to fact check in any way. And that's not surprising given how shoddily constructed the book is, especially towards (laughs) the end. But it's just one of those like credibility gaps where it's like you can't even keep the years of things of very famous things straight. How am I supposed to believe that any of the stuff that I can't independently verify is true if you can't be bothered to get the stuff that you could verify correct? I have one of those. Do you guys, I think it was, okay, so toward the end, for some reason, after we're all out of shooting the primary save by the bell, Screech talks about how the nerds in the base ideas were good, and one had the same name as his character, which was Kevin, and he had blonde, poofy hair. Yeah. What do you guys think? Is is there a real Kevin, or is that Herbert fucking Hodes? I think that's (laughs) Herbert Hodes. And his name is Kevin, Mm -hmm. but his... Screen name wasn't well, Kevin. Wait, who was I don't know if we could trust Herbert that. Hodis. We have to go on something, Austin. No, he also <laughs> said Mr. Tuttle was in the Artie episode, and he wasn't. Oh, you burned. Oh, and he said that Mr. Tuttle was the studio accountant. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was... Yeah, like, I believe that, though. That. That's kind of interesting. That was my favorite stuff, was like, Mr. Tuttle was the studio accountant. This guy, you know, my dad was in this episode. He was a Soul Train teacher. He was not Soul Train, yeah. Yeah. Did you like the uh, series of stories about his rivalry with the carpenter Bobo? Yeah. <laughs> I really liked when Zach and Mark Paul Gos- or Mark Paul Gosler and Screech were horsing around, and apparently underneath the studio there were all these yeah. tunnels and catacombs, <laughs> and they went inside one, and it wasn't bolted down, and they found, like, dead bones. <laughs> and then the carpenter staple gunned them inside. Well, that's that's another weird thing, and this is where it's <laughs> like, Dustin Diamond is in case it doesn't view things the right way when you're an adolescent still where like he talks about how much everyone just shat upon him and like shunned him. But then he just talks about stories where he's hanging out with them or doing stuff with them. And I'm like, right. Yeah. That's some of the choosing the times they're acting like dicks to you because teenagers act like dicks to each other. It happens, you know? Right. I mean, he was two years younger than everybody and a lot uglier. So how do you think that's going to shake out? So like, A couple of the really flagrant inconsistencies that stuck, or like incorrections that stuck out to me. He talked early on about the intended Disney NBC merger. Right. And how he was like, like almost going to be the voice of Flounder in The Little Mermaid. (laughs) Right. That kind of blew my mind. But then the merger collapsed and. NBC had this like, or uh, Disney had this like, oh, that's one of the merger kids. We're not going to give it to him attitudes, except he says that the merger collapsed in 1994, which is five years after The Little Mermaid was released, let alone made. And so I don't doubt that he may have auditioned for the part of Flounder and Little Mermaid. Like he's a child actor and he's a working actor and that's the kind of thing he would have auditioned for. And they probably didn't give it to him. But now he's trying to come up. It can't just be he wasn't good enough for the part or someone was better for the part. There has to be a grand conspiracy that puts down poor, talented Dustin Diamond to explain why he didn't get the part. And so he comes up with this scenario that has, like, the dates wrong by five fucking years. (laughs) So now my worldview has changed yet again. Thank you, crack research team. Mm -hmm. You guys, can I I read a brief passage from the book? Sure. Okay, because I just really want to make this. I, I'm assuming probably a fair amount of our readers have are never going to read our listeners. <laughs> um, 
So, uh, I just, this is to make the point of how non-professionally produced this book is. Like, <laughs> like there literally will be a paragraph that repeats and things like, like, it's, okay, so just let me read this from you. Read it from me. Unfortunately, much like my, he's talking about the cast of the new class. Unfortunately, much like myself at that same age, they already knew it all and didn't want to hear what I had to say. So, in much the same way as I watched Tiffany discard the sweet, bright-faced, knew-it-all, and didn't want to hear what I had to say. <laughs> so, in much the same way as I watched Tiffany discard the sweet, bright-faced enthusiasm of her first days on the set of the original SBTV as she was seduced by, begin quote, fame, I watched the kids of the new class embrace the poisonous attitude of, I'm a star, end quote. Are we back in a time hole from that last episode? Yeah. Are we in the internet? Yeah, this podcast did not skip. Sometimes, yeah, that was, that was not uh, audio problems. Sometimes there'll be a paragraph break in the middle of a sentence. Yeah. Uh, where it'll yep. be like, so then I went to the, and then the new paragraph break. store with so-and-so. <laughs> There's also just uh, a lot of like anecdotes of him and his friends being idiot fucking teenagers that are pretty pointless. What yeah, did you guys think about when the Screech sent Elizabeth Berkeley a dick pic Polaroid for no yeah. reason? I mean, I didn't, I didn't love it. She ignored it, which was the right move. The scenario that he sets up is that they were joking around about their dicks. Like you do. The guys and Elizabeth Berkeley, and the guys decided they were all going to take Polaroids of their dicks and slip it under Elizabeth Berkeley's dressing room door. So Screech did, but then he found out that it was a double prank, and those douche nozzles, Mark Paul and Mario Lopez, didn't actually do it, and it was just Screech that put the dick pic. But it was okay because she loved his massive meat monster. <laughs> I mean, yeah, is there any, like, does he think that's going to make him, we us like him? Well, so that's the thing, because there's, like, this myth of his large penis, and he had this sex tape, but then it turned out to be fake. And not that large to begin with. So, like, what do you make of that? Uh, either, I guess that it must, in reality, be, like, super small? I mean, it makes that's you wonder. A tiny zoinker. Because <laughs> the amount of effort he's gone into, he's put into, like, making convincing people he has a big penis it's it's a it's pretty it's it's pretty forced yeah and he just won't shut up about it in the book too just every yeah. any chance he gets it's like so like like when he was in vegas and he was dating that showgirl and then he's like he lied about his age but then or he tries to make like half truths not lies where she like right he made her mm -hmm. guess his age and then said you cheated and now that's not lying but whatever uh and, smooth D-Man. And then, then he said, <laughs> I know, he likes to call himself D-Man. He likes to put man after stuff, but he's like the dust man, the D-Man. He says, like, trust the dust. He says that <laughs> That's very good, but we cannot trust him. He's unreliable no. narrator. Sure, I don't trust the dust. <laughs> but long story long, uh, he says that he eventually came clean about his age, but at that time he was, she was seduced by his trouser snake. Because they're so huge, right. she didn't care that he was, like, 17 years old. Which I don't think would be true, yeah. but, you know. And then, the speaking of Elizabeth Berkley, the other big inconsistency that I'm like, you could just look this up on IMDb, uh, that drove me nuts, was anytime he talked about showgirls and Elizabeth Berkley leaving to do showgirls, he got all of the timing on that absolutely wrong. Yeah, because that was way later, right? 
yeah, he talked about how like, oh, you know, when he goes on and on about how Peter Engel or St. Peter, as he calls him because of his born again, puritanical values. Right. I like that part. When Elizabeth Berkeley <laughs> came back from Showgirls after it was released, he didn't really have much to say to her, but it didn't matter because she'd be gone soon anyway. And I'm like, she was gone and your spinoff was canceled before Showgirls was in theaters. Oh, man, what a liar. And then then later on, he talks about how, like, on their final episode, she was crying for real because she was sad, but also knew that Showgirls was such a flop. And what was she going to do? And I'm like, but she hadn't gone and done Showgirls Mm -hmm. yet when you filmed your final episode. And then one thing that I don't know, this is just goes to laziness. The middle of the book is padded with just pictures. I don't even know how yeah. Dustin Diamond got the rights to them, but whatever. They're in there. I don't know. He probably just did a them... Google image search and printed them. <laughs> yeah, what a right. And one of them is of he and Lark Voorhees on a couch, and then it says, undated photo. Yet on the wall above <laughs> the couch that they're sitting on says, Nickelodeon Teen Choice Awards. Now, at first I'm like, I don't know when they were on the Teen Choice Awards, but you'd assume... You could look that up pretty easily and find out when Dustin yeah. Diamond and Lark were. But then to make matters worse, later in the book, he talks about how in 1992, he and Lark Voorhees were at the Teen Choice Awards. And I'm like, yeah. so may- could- maybe that would be the year? <laughs> yeah, maybe that could be the year you could slap on that photo instead of saying undated. Another thing I wanted to talk about is how whenever he talks about Mark Paul Gosler, he makes all these weird comments about his ethnicity. Well, especially yeah. that baseball yeah. story. I actually wrote down those yeah. weird things in the baseball story. This yeah, because he's what? He's half Thai and half what? Like Belgian or and something? And he's trying to Dutch. out him for not being white, Dutch. basically. Yeah, yeah, but he says all this weird... He just says weird stuff about it. Like the way yeah. he raises it. Yeah, and then he's basically like is you... just being a weasel when other... Like there's a couple times when he's present for cast members having like an embarrassing or uncomfortable moment. And he just like gleefully recounts it. In such a way, like, Mark Paul Gosser, like, pisses behind a gas station. Yeah. Yeah, and then he's, like, the a cop sees him, and then he just basically writes about what a big bitch he was when the cop came. And it's like, well, I don't know. Like, Yeah, I know. It's embarrassing, but it's more of a funny anecdote than, like, and then this is the baseball story that I actually wrote down, because part of what you said before that, too. Yeah, and, that well, this is one of those weird times where Screech tries to make someone look like an asshole and just completely fails. But it's about Mark yeah. Paul Gosler... And the short version is he hits a home run and then hits a guy on the head with the home run and this, like, softball game. And the three phrases that was used when he was describing this scene was he called Mark Paul Gossler the Dutch in the clutch. Which wasn't that bad. And then he says, Ty, T-H-A-I, goes the runner. That was pretty bad. And then he called him a half Asian for every occasion. That was the worst. <laughs> You're just like, well, I don't even know what he's getting at. It's like, yes, that would be Mixed his race. Yeah, race. It's not even, I don't know. But then yeah. he's like, then part of the sentence, and I didn't write it down, but it basically went like, well, a decent person would have then gone and checked on the man and seen if he was okay. But to Zach's credit, that's exactly what he did. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so Zach's a D, de- or to Mark's credit, Mark Paul's credit. That's exactly what he did. And I was like, so Mark Paul is a decent person. The entire story was Mark Paul hit a guy on the head with a base with a softball and then went to check on him and then gave him like a signed photo and said, sorry about that. 
And he's mixed race. And he's mixed <laughs> race. Yeah, let's not forget this. He's mixed race. That's the headline. <laughs> Mudblood does okay. <laughs> and I guess if you're just trying to tell goofy stories, that's fine. But there's this undertone that he's trying to like show what an asshole Mark Paul got. Yeah, yeah totally. and it's like that didn't come across at all in that story. Well, he talks about how they, the producers, had them all fill out like sheets of their own real life talents so that they could work them into the show and like have Mm -hmm. material and how like mark paul gossler was just this like fame obsessed talentless hack that didn't have any like interests or hobbies to fill out on his form and i'm like but zach has like a shit ton of talents on the show (laughs) when david reads off his list of characteristics it's longer than anyone's yeah this is where you question what's true or not because and i'm maybe this is like i don't doubt that they did something like this but then he's like, one of his talents was playing chess, so they integrated chess. And I was like, if your talent is you can do backflips, that's something you can put on TV. You don't need to be good at chess to play chess on TV. Right, but I think that they do <laughs> with shows like this, I mean, in Screech's defense, um, I do think when they're building characters around these kids, they will ask, like, I think they do that oh, on yeah, Full no. House and shit, too. Where oh, like, totally, yeah. I buy that. And, like, yeah, if they can ride a horse, then you can go, oh, we'll have a horseback riding scene. But, yeah, sometimes they're just like, fuck, we don't want to think of a premise. You like chess? All right, well, we'll do that. <laughs> Maybe. And that's, Screech also said that he was good at rape, and that's why they raped that Russian chess player. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, about that. And even, one of the other things that I noticed is that even when he is, like, complimenting them, he still has to make sure he's better. So he'll talk yeah. about how... Like, as they went along, everybody got really good at memorizing their lines, and so they'd be off book by, you know, early in the week. And so, even though everybody else was a dick, to their credit, everyone was really good at memorizing their lines. But I was the best at memorizing right. their lines. Yeah. Like, it's not well, enough I, to just be I, like, we were good at this. It's, oh, I was the best at that. <laughs> I especially liked when he goes on about how he hated the writing and so he'd uh, make up his own lines, which, of course, uh, brought down the house. But then they wouldn't use those lines, but he made his point that he's just so much funnier than everybody else. Yeah, there was a real arrogance to so oh, much. Oh, absolutely is. Oh, I know. And so he, he had that rivalry with Mark Paul Gosler, and he called him the golden child, which is yeah. what we have been saying mm-hmm. the whole time. I know. How do we feel about that, that we're on the same wavelength as, um, as Dustin yeah. Diamond? Fair enough. You know, we're nerdy outsiders, too. I liked, too, when... We are. I liked when he proposed his superiority to the other nerds on the show and was talking <laughs> about how one-dimensional they were, but how rounded out Screech was. Yeah, and you're like, that's called being a main character as opposed to an extra? He needs to shut his mouth about those other nerds. I was, yeah, yeah I was also like, also those one-dimensional der- nerds are way better than you, Screech. Yeah, well, that's true, too. But he seemed to be confused at how... Him, now I'm trying to think about it because he was confused about the idea that there were other nerds, but then he was a nerd. So is he getting washed out? Then he was paranoid that another nerd was going to become the main character. Yeah, he's worried about getting replaced. Wouldn't it be yeah. amazing if Herbert got to go on to the college years? Oh my god! If one of them rose like, or just like season four was the Ollie season. Ollie, Ollie, the time. I don't know, Zach. The last time you told me to trust you, I ended up naked on the wing of an airplane. <laughs> he seemed indignant about the idea that, like, well, he's the nerd of the show. He can't have other nerds. And I'm like, well, Slater's the jock of the show, and they had other jocks, <laughs> you know? That's true. I liked when um, he talked about what a unkempt fellow 
Slater was. He's like, yeah, you just fuck anyone that moves. Yeah, I know. At all. And then he's like, two chapters later, he's like, I fucked every extra. <laughs> like, there is there is a line I wrote down where uh, he talks about how he couldn't understand why the girls that Mario Lopez was banging couldn't figure out that he just was interested in banging them. And I'm like, A, maybe they did, and they didn't care, because all they wanted to do was bang Mario Lopez. B, you did that to shit tons of girls, according to what you write in this book. That reminds me of his chapter. Is it the very end when he just has, like, a page about sorry to all the girls? Uh, That would be, Carol, that would be Appendix B. (laughs) (laughs) It was one of my favorite appendixes. (laughs) I have a question, too, because he talks about the set teacher... He says the set, their the set teacher. The one who smelled like vanilla. Yeah, he said he played Mr. Clopper, the Einstein-looking janitor. Oh, yeah, who yeah. the no, fuck is we, that? No one knows, right? Did we have a janitor? Yeah. No, it I wrote down, who the fuck is Mr. Clopper? thing, or... Oh. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's new, maybe it's new it's class. Not that could be. But he said that was their set teacher. So Yeah, yeah but he could have been the new class's set teacher, too. I think one janitor when like Jesse was gonna throw away a plastic cup or recycle it wasn't there oh Carol no Carol I totally had that same thought but he wasn't the janitor he was the styrofoam cup delivery man oh Oh, fuck so do we have between us anybody a janitor what I mean I went straight to the experts Uh, according to the cracked research team (laughs) Mr. Clopper was in two episodes of The New Class. Oh, okay. And he All was right. played by Sidney Sharon, who was their set teacher. All right. How's the crack Dusty. research team's polio? Uh, you know, they're they're keeping on, keeping on and <laughs> Okay. They're hobbling from Yeah, no, they're good. Files. They're good. They don't okay. they, they don't need anything. Super. Um <laughs> they don't get yeah, that... to go go fund or anything. <laughs> no. For their polio. No. That ten thousand dollars will get them one bowl of gruel. Oh yeah, that was another uh, when he was talking it when he was talking about the nerds and how he was worried about getting recast if he was too mm-hmm. strident in his demands for a better contract. He's like, because you know Denise Crosby was on Star Trek: The Next Generation and she wanted more money, and then they booted her off in 1994. Oh, she I'm like, are. actually, they booted her off in 1988, but whatever. Oh, take that, Screech. <laughs> and that's just like again, I just. That's not that big a deal. Like, anyone in a casual conversation could mix up dates and stuff. But fact-check this stuff if you're putting it in a book because it'll make the other stuff that can't be fact-checked more believable if you at least get that right. Austin, this book has not even been spell-checked. <laughs> I know! Yeah, it wasn't, even, like, spelling it wasn't well. even, like, repeat paragraph-checked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess, like, the guy, I can picture it. He, the ghostwriter, was just like, I don't want to read that again. <laughs> Are you suggesting that the ghostwriter of this book was an actual ghost? It could, yes. <laughs> Are you not? <laughs> this, it brings on a whole new meaning. I don't know. I don't know what new meaning, but it's new. Is it time to take a trip to the magical magical place on Earth? <laughs> Wait, before that, though, oh, before yeah, that yeah. chapter, the only anecdote he does that I kind of liked and endeared me to him uh-huh. <laughs> that seemed relatable is when he talked about doing, like, press junkets. Uh, and how much he hated doing them with Mario Lopez. <laughs> because he'd be like, they'd be like, so, Screech, what do you think about this? And he'd be like, oh, well, I think this. And Mario Lopez would be like, yeah, that's right, Screech. That reminds me about, like, that he was constantly interrupting him and making it about himself over and over again. And now I want to watch those interviews. Although, yeah. then, but 
Dustin Diamond is always trying to make Saved by the Bell about Screech. Like, he talks about how he got more fan mail than anybody else, which I mm-hmm. Which I do not dubious. believe at all. <laughs> and then he also talks about how, like, the original plan was it was like a buddy comedy of Zack and Screech with some extra characters on that. I'm like... It was... it was That was the original plan in Dustin Diamond's head. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the only place that was the original plan, but, you know. He talks at the very end about how... He tried to play Screech as an everyman, and I'm like, he's not. Yeah. No one wanted yeah. to be Screech. Like, <laughs> well, does nobody he, really relates to him either. No, mm-hmm. he seems to think that there were a lot of people laughing with Screech. Yeah. And and yeah. maybe, maybe when, like, the show was first on and, like, legitimate, like, 10-year-olds were watching it on Saturday morning, maybe there was some of those kids that were laughing with him. But I feel like, especially in 2009, the vast majority of Saved by the Bell's audience is, if anything, laughing at him. Oh, yeah. And there were laughs? What? Yeah, I wasn't laughing at all. Another thing we have to thank Screech for, if he's to be believed, is according to his audition process, they wanted the Screech to just speak in a shrieking tone like Star Screams from G.I. Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Screech used it just to be a puberty spice on certain cracked words. <laughs> and I would say the other endearing moment of Screech is, unlike David Bitsenhofer, he has absolutely nothing bad to say about one Haley Mills. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Wait. We heard her. I didn't have anything bad to say about her either until she had bad things to say about me. This is you have a reason true. for tit, your beef, David. But, tit, tit for tat. Tit but for here tat. you are. She came for you. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, he talks about how the like how everybody looked down on him and he never fit in because Fair he was true. because he was like he saw their reality for what it was and nobody likes the guy who says that the Emperor has no clothes. He was just keeping it real, and none of them wanted to yeah. handle that. And I'm like, or or maybe they just picked on you because you were smaller than them and littler than them and goofy-looking, and that's not right either, but maybe that's all that it had. Or maybe they picked on you because you were an annoying little fuck. Right. <laughs> Can you imagine? Don't well, but it is like, it's like going to high school, but it's like going to high school with six people in it. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone's, I mean... Yeah. Like, nobody likes the know-it-all kid who talks about how fame is fleeting when you're five celebrity actors. But I don't believe that was him, though. Like, so much of this book is him acting like he knew so much more about what was going on, like, about how bad the show was, and it was just a paycheck, you know, and it could be better, but it's just cheesy, but, you know, they're just gonna have fun, but everyone else was taking it way too seriously, and it all comes off as hindsight being 2020 and like him trying to act better than it now and he probably wasn't then right like he well but he's the only one that hasn't had any kind of a career at all after yeah like he's done nothing besides play screech and do cameos that are like hey look it's screech yeah that's just that's just because he's keeping it real, Ryan. That's you know he doesn't want to get chewed up and spit out by that Hollywood machine like everybody else. He's just I mean, he would you know, he's speaking he's speaking truth to power, Ryan. He's a searcher for the truth, and that's True. that's that's why he has no career in Hollywood anymore. He's not, basically not, like Edward Snowden. Yeah, not because he's just like a one note hack that got a part and wrote it into the ground, and now he's done. 
Uh, so let's I go think. to the most magical place on Earth. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so Dustin Diamond has a whole chapter in the book dedicated to his sexual exploits at Disneyland. He has a whole chapter, H-O-L-E. Uh, and by whole chapter, it's like, <laughs> I don't know, four pages? That's like as long as his page as his chapters get. One of the one of the pages is just two paragraphs in a row of the same text. <laughs> I really like the part where he had the rides time for how much finger banging oh, they had. Yeah, like like what did he say that was the best haunted mansion? <laughs> that just still feels like adolescent fantasy to me, where you're just like going on sure. these rides because he loves Disney, thinking about what you could be doing. If there's a lady next to you that was down for it. In one way, it's like kids need places that aren't their house to fuck. Or they need to Mm -hmm. work around their parents. Or to fool around or whatever. But then as an adult, I can't think of anything less erotic than trying to (laughs) finger fuck on a Disney ride. (laughs) I can't think of anything more erotic. And I don't know. You just don't know what... (laughs) You don't know what's true or not. Like, I maybe he did it with... Did he do it? All the time, though, like every time he just shows up, and, and maybe well, he talked about how him and his friends had this whole method of basically like stalking women. Yeah, gave it up. No, he'd let the women stalk them. <laughs> oh yeah. How would you really How would you feel if you were at Disneyland and just like Terrible. this this like goony gangly Terrible. guy was like walking ten feet behind <laughs> you everywhere you went? Like, what if you were on the ride behind Dustin Diamond? And you heard him make little noises, oh. and then when you left, yeah, like the that, ride, Ryan. Those would be the noises. Be, oh. <laughs> being all smug, and there's like a sex smell, and then he wipes the Disney finger on your face. Yeah, so basically, Disney finger is when you finger a girl <laughs> at Disneyland, I guess. Well, this yeah. is where he says, "As it would become known as Disney finger," and I'm like, "Known by who? You and your two friends?" Because that's about I think, <laughs> yes. I think the answer to your term. question, David, is yes. That's and what it just don't do. well. That reminds me of like, yeah, he just makes up these things. Like he talks about one time when he wanted to like get Slater by like putting cellophane on the toy on the toilet and like have him like be. And then he was yeah. talking about how he's hoping AC would take a deuce and do it as the people now call it AC style, which I oh, guess uh, is sitting yeah. backwards yeah. on the toilet and yeah. pooping. Uh-huh. Yeah. I say that daily. I've heard <laughs> that. Like, that's yeah. <laughs> like AC style or yeah. going to the bathroom AC style. Um, I've heard it as a. Re- I mean, sitting in a chair backwards is AC style, but you know, they say or that, Riker. Yeah. Yeah, but would anybody go to the bathroom AC style? I, don't I think do. Actually do- well, I do every day. Carol, but, every um... day. It's part of this. Touche, I guess. By the bell. And it's part of just like telling the toilet that I'm the boss of it. Well, and it's like a good place to put your book. Yeah. The no, you put your elbows on the tank and you just <laughs> wrestle with your demons. No, the whole, like, the whole Disneyland chapter and his talk of like sexual conquest there just made me wonder. If his so like it's a fairly well known fact that like Dustin Diamond enjoyed going to Disneyland and that he would go there all the time, right? And it, and it makes me just wonder if he created this whole like I went there to score chicks to justify him just going to Disneyland because he was like fourteen years old and he liked Disney. And there's yeah, nothing wrong with that, but like as an adult, he looks back on that and is like, "That wasn't cool. I have to come up with a better reason for that. It's because I was always giving chicks the Disney finger while I was there." 
I mean, you have to imagine that it, like, taints the experience. Don't we have a fan who did see Dustin Diamond in Disneyland? And then yeah. it's just like, he's got that whole sex smell coming out of him. And he's like, <laughs> oh, stop it, bro. I wish you hadn't said it taints it. Yeah, that's what he said about Jesse Spano and her showgirls. Mm. Assuming that uh, that Dustin Diamond is not wrong about this, I uh, I got a kick out of the fact that apparently Kevin the Robot came from Disney. Yeah, oh, right. he yeah. came from the Abraham Lincoln type thing. It was a robot that would talk to kids, and so parents would feed it information, and then it'd blow the kids' minds. You shouldn't give your children's information to robots at Disney yeah. parents. P.S. If it asks for their social security account. <laughs> did, uh, did anybody else? So I think of all of his cast members, the one who really got off the easiest, so to speak, was Lark Voorhees. Oh, yeah. yeah. And did you, and did you kind of feel bad that just like in the show, even in Dustin Diamond's <laughs> shitty tell all, she was like the least utilized member of the cast? Yeah. I mean, insinuated she got like beaten, right? Yeah. And then there was a scene later, yeah, I think it's the same one, where she comes in with the speech to do a commentary well yeah, after mm-hmm. the series, and she's, like, skittish and nervous and crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah and which did they she, did, though. Do commentary. Yeah, did they did she commentary. fade in the background on the commentary, too? Like She was not very really lively. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I, it's because she was going crazy, because she's bipolar. Well, I want yeah. her to be the loud kind of crazy. They should have scheduled it for her manic part, know, not the depressive. Have... When they did the schedule, like when will you be manic? Oh, and so, the other thing, uh, the other thing I enjoyed from the chapter discussing Max, in addition to the yes. fact that he and Doogie Hauser had sex, I got super excited when I found out that Max was buddies with Gallagher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh boy! Because that the that means tightens. that means by the transitive properties, if Gallagher hit on Carol and Max was buddies with Gallagher, Max kind of hit on Carol. Yeah. Um, I mean, for a beard, maybe. I could, I could be one of those ladies he saws in half while he's putting it to the dude. I also like with the, um, Ed, with the Max, Ed Alonzo, that, yeah. that Screech was like, oh, you're going to Michael Jackson's Never Neverland Ranch, zoinks! And then Screech has like a burst of intuition, if we're to believe him, and he's like, yeah, actually, I won't go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I figured it out way back then. Even Michael Jackson would, like, look at Screech and be like, nah. Yeah, I'm not molesting you. He told the weird story that I couldn't follow about Emmanuel Lewis being, like, locked in a cage with a chimp. With <laughs> oh, my God. No, that, that was the story, crazy. David. You followed it. That was the whole thing. <laughs> then he comes up, can you imagine flicking poop or something? And I was like, what's going on? Just Then I just read on, I guess. <laughs> that part was amazing. Uh, yeah. Did we want to talk about the Canadians in the Disney chapter before we leave? Oh, the ones he took home and fucked and then they left? That was cool. Just that they were totally chill with uh, being taken back to his house. They had sex with him and then he just called them a car and never heard from them again. Yeah, well, he's like, oh, they were like run up. They're trying to chase the American dream and ended up getting Dusted Diamond's trouser snake. It brings a tear to my eye or something. And that's disgusting in and of itself. But then he said, like, so I gave him 20 bucks for the cab ride. I'm like, what, like three blocks down? Then they, then they get kicked <laughs> right? out? Like, they're not going anywhere. Very Plus, the one lady was like a runaway. Too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Starting her life all over. It was weird. I wonder if she killed herself. 
problem. So should we talk about Screech's alleged affair with the vice president of children's programming for NBC, Gail Mancuso? I oh. thought it was Linda. Is that the or, name Yeah, change? Linda. No, it's Linda yeah. Mancuso. We sorry. talked about it a little bit. It was yeah, gross, so, and I don't want to picture 14-year-old Screech banging a he, cougar. And this is actually, like, the closest thing the book has to, like, a narrative thread. Yeah. In that, like, mm-hmm. he sets it up in earlier chapters and then pays it off later. And he talks about how, like, even with when he started on Good Morning Miss Bliss, he would go up to this this Linda Mancuso's office and watch tapes of all of the cartoons that he enjoyed watching because she was the VP of children's programming. So she had access to all this stuff. He even got a sneak preview of captain N you guys. Yeah. I know. And he got to use that big joystick thing. I'm still yeah. so jealous. <laughs> well, and it has kind of like suspense. Like you're like, are they going to fuck for like, a yeah. And so he's basically saying that like this relationship that started when he was literally a child watching cartoons developed into a sexual relationship that makes it just creepier and then and he he of course spins it like it's this great sexual conquest and i'm like it's not it's creepy and it's also i don't believe it and i also don't believe it's true at all but well again i'm just troubled by the fact that she died of cancer and so there's no way to confirm or deny this can we ask her ghost (laughs) call the ghost rider and see if he can um, and, and I love the classy bit where he talks about how, like, she got diagnosed with breast cancer and that was a shame because she had such, like, great breasts. I'm like, stay classy, <laughs> Dustin Diamond. He stay also talked classy. about Punky Brewster's tits and how yeah. upset he was that she got them reduced. And it's like, shut the fuck up. When he's talking about a sexual conquest and it's not clear if he's saying that he fucked her or not. He's just talking about her presumes. Oh. It's like, you yeah. need to find your own copy here. Yeah, well, every woman that, like, shows up in this yeah. book, he describes in any sort of physical... He talks about whether they're hot or not and whether they had big boobs. He'd be like, oh, she didn't have an ass. And I'm like, this isn't pertinent to anything. You're just being a <laughs> disgusting male. And then secondly, he then he talks about what a shame it was that she reduced... Uh, Punky Brewster reduced her breasts because she was having back problems. And I'm like, she's having back problems. Let her do what she wants. I know. And he's like, it's too bad that mankind's technology has moved these titties. Yeah. Fuck up. It's not about you. He comes off as a misogynist in this book. I'll put so it bad. Oh, he's so sexist. Like, mm-hmm. I got immune to it pretty fast. Like, I kind of, in one way, it's like a strong narrative voice, right? This sexist douche bro who is the, the ugly child actor from right. the series trying to act all soul but then later he beats up Horshack so we do know that what do we know we he's he's awful yeah um i like when he was talking about in in, in the chapter he was talking about soleil moon fry yeah and he had previously established in the disneyland chapter that he got to go to disneyland a lot during the day when there wasn't all of like the families and the kids because his schedule was he'd work for three weeks and mm-hmm. part of that working was going to school. So then he'd have like every fourth week off and he could just go hang out at Disneyland. But then in the Soleil Moon Fry <laughs> chapter, he talks about how he knew her before she was on the show because they went to the same school together when he was on his off weeks. Yeah. So I'm like, mm-hmm. did you go to Disneyland on your off weeks, or did you go to school with Punky Brewster on your off weeks? Theoretically, he did say he graduated early, so... He graduated early, you guys. 
Did you know that? <laughs> he liked to brag about that, but uh, oh yeah, he sure. But did. so maybe he went to Disney World after he graduated. He could have those off weeks, I guess. I guess I don't know. maybe. I don't know. What was the grossest part of the book for you? Was it Disney Finger? It's hard to beat. Um, uh, I feel like Disney Finger was so blatantly made up that it was less <laughs> gross than something he was more genuinely doing. Like, like, what if you were fingering somebody on It's a Small World and you got some <laughs> of that poison water in there, oh, right? Yeah. You could get, like, one of those special parasites that kill I you. I can see the music. <laughs> I am the Lizard Queen! <laughs> I really didn't like the part where he's talking about this mousy girl he was dating, and he makes her bang him and his friend, and oh, so yeah. he doesn't like her anymore. I know, then he's like, oh, then she was, like, a dirty... She, he was like, she was tainted, yeah, what do you say? He, and he's yeah. like, I made her do this sex act, and then I shamed it her for it. tainted my view of her, and you're like, what an asshole. Well, right? she got her, her, her part in Appendix B. <laughs> hey, sorry, you fucked me. <laughs> oh, I also love, one of the recurring themes in the book is how he's constantly trying to come across as older than he right. actually is, both in terms of, like, impressing ladies and scoring booze and getting in places where he shouldn't be. And he talks about how on one of his like publicity trips, when he was flying first class, he was trying to score some booze from the flight attendant. And he knew that being like very nonchalant and suave about ordering alcohol <laughs> was a surefire way to make them think you were older than you were. So he'd, he'd be, be like, like, oh, what is that? Yeah, so it's a good year. So he'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, which what Johnny Walker do you have? Red or black? Oh, well, I prefer the black, but I guess red's okay. Yeah. In actuality, that's 100% the opposite effect you're looking for. Yeah, totally. That's like a surefire way to come across as someone underage trying to sound like they're... And secondly, isn't Screech like the... Like, a child actress the worst person to try to get into underage stuff, right? Because yeah. everyone knows you're an actor. Yeah. Like... And yeah, if you think about him on this series when you're talking about him doing those press tours, he's a baby. I know. Right. And then oh, the yeah. den blocked him from getting that flight. I train. know. Well, see, yeah, he was pissed one of the dead. stories I hope is really true <laughs> is Dennis Haskins knowing <laughs> everything about every town the and using from it everywhere. In, <laughs> trying to use it to gain connections in Hollywood. I believe it. I feel like that story had enough specificity to it that it probably <laughs> was true. Like, yeah. Screech, whoever did this isn't a good enough writer to have made that up. Like, that's yeah. how specific the character trait there's is. I other, do, too. It's great. There's some other good den parts. Uh, I liked when they were taking photos for the new class to be on the board game. And then they're like, <laughs> let's try one without the ugly old principal. Yeah. And then Screech, like, fought for him. Den got upset. I don't, if that's true or not, I feel like that's a problem with Dennis Haskins there, right? He's got to know his place in the show, right? And there's a shit ton of promotional material without belding on it. Yeah, come on. You're on a show for children. Yeah. yeah. Come on. And then, like, after Save by the Bell wrapped, then, like, Screech meets up with Den, and Den's, like, not doing good. Yeah, And I he know. got dumped by his agency after <laughs> Save by the Bell. And he gained weight. He's like, I'm not doing good. And then he copied Screech's idea to tour colleges. And Screech oh, yeah. would do comedy, and the Den would do motivational speaking. <laughs> there's, nobody, there's nobody in college going to a Dennis Haskins motivational speech unironically. 
Yeah, no, we yeah. would have gone ironically though. No, I come on. A lot of drugs. And... <laughs> Which drug? Would you just get drunk? That's comfortable. Do I don't want to do acid. You don't want to do peyote in front and waste your spirituality in front of Dennis Haskins fucking lying. To I you? saw one of those speeches. He came out and he was like, "Hey, hey, hey, what is going on here inside of your heart?" But yeah, um, the denster the denser well and it's weird too because it seems like he has he sort of reveres him and they work together for like 20 years but then he totally tells this story about how he thinks it's like speculation that dennis haskins was like sexually harassing yeah cast member he's like giving them uncomfortable back rubs like and shit. a young lady who was on california dreams Something right? like that, and she yeah. was like screeches egg and i believe that haskins is a ledge we know that from our friends who have been hit on by him Who's that? Uh, my one friend, Sarah, who really? hit on... Yeah. No, I've heard that he, <laughs> even in his old age and fat age, he... His old fat age. <laughs> yes, his old fat, fat age. <laughs> he just, he's always trying to use being Mr. Belding as a way to score with women, is what I've heard. And it is more successful than you'd probably think. Uh, I did yeah. like when Screech called him and Belding the one take boys, and they were all like really chuffed about how they knocked out their college years or uh, new class. <laughs> yeah, they were really yeah. pro. Did you yeah. like how they also felt like there was homoeroticism being interjected? Yeah, in it? <laughs> yeah we should watch it, you guys. <laughs> no, it does make me want to watch it. Um, one one last thing I wanted to call out from some of his celebrity stories. Mm-hmm. Um. As if Meg C needed more reason to not like Screech. Oh yeah, he uh, he's met Hanson and is not a fan. Mm-hmm. That's right. No, oh my I, god, I, I was thinking about Meg. I was like, ooh, she's not gonna like this. No, yep. <laughs> well, that's where he just always comes off as trying to be too cool for school, right? Yeah. He also calls Urkel the primetime Screech. Yeah. How would you think of that, Ryan? Uh he wishes. <laughs> <laughs> But then he, that, this is where he gets an inaccuracy. He says, well, he goes, well, at least Jaleel White got to play yeah. a cool, his cool brother sometimes. And I was like, oh, yeah. He was That's not his brother. That's not his brother. Oh, it's right. A clone. So yeah. do you think Screech, can you imagine Screech getting to play his cool self? No, I don't think okay. it's well, he would his... be capable of playing his I guess that's yeah. what he tried to play in that pornography. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess. And it wasn't convincing. We have to talk about Scooby-Doo, too, right? Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a chapter in the book <laughs> about how the entire entertainment industry screwed Screech out of playing <laughs> Scooby, or out of playing Shaggy in the live-action Scooby-Doo movie. He came up with the idea for a live-action right. He also oh, takes credit oh for God. someone taking an old property and turning into a movie. <laughs> you guys, Dustin Diamond invented that. Um, so basically the story is he was a big Scooby-Doo fan. He got to His meet Casey Kasem. Named Scooby, Austin. Yeah, I mean, that's the, I mean, there's no way to show that you're a bigger fan of something than to name your dog after a dog character. Um, and then he was connected to Casey Kasem, because as we well know, Casey Kasem was on Saved by the Bell several times. So, Ka- so Casey Kasem allegedly taught him how to do the Shaggy voice. Then he went and hooked up with some people at Hanna-Barbera, okay. including Joe Barbera of the, the Barbera half of Hanna-Barbera, and allegedly 
convinced all of those people that he was perfect to play Shaggy in a live action. Like he wanted to do uh like Who Framed Roger Rabbit live action with animation kind of thing. I was really I read that several times, his description of what he wanted, the process <laughs> of ma- I could not understand it. I assumed yeah. it was more opposites attract Austin. <laughs> like MC yeah. Scat Cat? Yes. yes. I think the idea was he wanted to he wanted everything to be animated except for him as Shaggy. Oh my and god. And so it would be How like awful. inserting a live actor into a cartoon versus a cartoon into like live action. Because he talked about mm. rotoscoping too. I was just, it was very unclear. Yeah. It, well, like everything else in this book, it was kind of a muddled mess. But, uh, so he talked about how he had this, like, pitch book that he would carry around to meetings that Joe Barbera helped put together for him, and nobody in Hollywood was interested, and then he found out that Mike Myers had bought the rights to do a Scooby-Doo movie. <laughs> I remember and that, then, yeah. And then that passed, he didn't make the movie fast enough, so then well, he lost the it was rights. weird, one thing, sorry, I was gonna say, one thing that was weird is Dustin Diamond seemed to, like, think having Casey Kasem on board meant right. something. When right. A, Casey Kasem wouldn't be doing any of the voices, and he, that's all he right. did was a voice. He wasn't like a... Right. He didn't own any part of Scooby-Doo or have any creative input, I don't Casey think. Casey Kasem is Hollywood royalty. <laughs> I guess. But maybe you're right. I get that having Joe Barbera on your side when trying to do something with a Hanna-Barbera character could make you feel like you've got an in. Yeah. But Casey Kasem, I mean, Casey, that's like saying I had the guy who played Fred on my side. Like, so what? Yeah. Like, it doesn't, <laughs> he's just an actor doing a part. And you mm-hmm. keep talking about how you're Mr. Real about what that means and how it's not a big deal. And if Screech wanted to be like Fred and then had Casey Kasem agree to do the voice of Shaggy in the movie, then that's something. But yeah, Casey Kasem would have been associated with it. I don't know. Screech keeps saying that he has mastered the Shaggy voice. And yes. we don't have access to that. We can't verify it. Do we believe him? No. 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 He also says that he mastered the walk, and he really hates Matthew Lillard, who I, ended yeah. up getting the role with Freddie Prince well, Jr. Well, Carolyn, I will say that I do believe that Dustin Diamond believes he has mastered the Shaggy voice. I mean, yeah. But that in a bag of piss would be a bag of oh, piss, Oh, I know. David. Just like Dustin Diamond well, believes like he's a great movie. actor. That movie wasn't even a hit or anything. I know, he's very bitter about this movie that didn't really... It's like a complete afterthought of a movie. I mean, they got a sequel out of it, but... Right. So basically, Mike Myers had the rights, Jim Carrey was attached at one point, (laughs) and then eventually Sarah Michelle Gellar and Freddie Prince Jr. got involved, and then of course they had their buddy Matthew Lillard play... Yeah, the only reason Matthew Lillard got the part was because he's buddy-buddy with them. Although I'm I'm fairly certain that Matthew Lillard's career is built on his friendship with Freddie Prince Jr. I don't doubt that, but I don't know. He was still a bigger name than Dustin Diamond. He's well, pretty good in SLC Punk. Like, that's his own thing. Yeah, that was He great. has some clout. Him playing Shaggy, I think, was the last thing he ever did. That was like, killed his career. Right? I know. Yeah, for now he just does, like, he shows up in random things where you're like, Oh, hey, that's Matthew Lillard. That's the guy from Scream. He yeah. was good in Scream. He was pretty good in Scream, man. Yeah, and then, so now, yeah, Dustin Diamond hates Matthew Lillard, even though... Right. He didn't do anything to Dustin Diamond? Somebody, during his career, How needed d- to sit <laughs> Dustin Diamond down and say, people hate 
your face. <laughs> How dare Matthew Lillard be accepted a role that Dustin Diamond wanted and accepted? <laughs> I'm pretty sure somebody said that to Mark Hamill, like post car accident, post Star Wars. They're like, you need to do voice work. Yeah. <laughs> Why didn't Screech get that memo? Yeah. It's well, yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, Screech talks about what, or Dustin Diamond talks about towards the end about how hard it is for TV, how easy it is for TV actors to get typecast and then how hard it is for them to break out of it. And that's certainly, he's not wrong, but he talks about how it's easier for film actors. And once upon a time, that was probably true, but not so much anymore because of the ubiquity of like sequels and franchises and stuff and mark hamill is a good example mark hamill rejiggered his career because he was luke skywalker yeah and so then he went into voice acting because then now you didn't know yeah. you didn't know yeah, that he, he was luke skywalker joker. and now he's like the definitive joker and he did a lot of he does a lot of voice work he and, didn't just like bitch and moan about how <laughs> no one will see him as anything other than Luke Skywalker. He went out and found a way to have a successful career. Well, and the thing is that he doesn't understand is he just doesn't really have anything to offer as an entertainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like maybe Dustin Diamond could have made a go of it in voice act if he immediately transitioned from right. Saved by the Bell there where he had some sort of like credentials that like a cartoon might look at it and be like, all right. David, well. he was cast as Flounder <laughs> and then a massive business sale. <laughs> Five, years, Five later. years later. Prevented inspired. Well, that's, <laughs> that's where you're like, but then we're assuming Dustin Diamond had the talent to be a voice actor, and I'm not even sure that's true. Yeah. I think he could, you know. <laughs> that might be giving voice actors not enough credit. Yeah. yeah, no. But then, you know, it's like he should take a page from Matthew Lillard's book and have friends. That's well, one way to stay connected in a project is have people who are like, Carol would be lovely to have on this because she's so uh, nice and good. And I'm smart. sorry, Carol. That's just like shallow Hollywood nepotism. And <laughs> Dustin Diamond is way too real for that. It's not at all that he's too unlikable to have friends. Uh-huh. It's that he's not going to have friends connected in the business because that's just not the right way to do it. So yep. <laughs> on a scale from one to ten. One being least excited, Seven. ten being most excited. <laughs> How excited would you be if you could see a video of Dustin Diamond being in a sketch of weed and shroom? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that was painful to even hear about. It, just, it wasn't a sketch, it's just stoner talk. And I love weed humor, but they, he, doesn't, he doesn't know what a punchline is. Yeah. No, he really doesn't. The The gag is that all weed ever says is weed and all shroom ever says is shroom. Yeah. And that's the entire, that's it. That's the, that's the joke is that. Is it? Well, so the whole thing, is, this is the chapter about Captain Douchebag. Yeah. yeah. Basically he has a friend who, I mean, he just had some shitty friends and they would party yeah. and then they would try to get money out oh, of who him. Who else would hang out with Dustin Diamond other than a mm-hmm. shitty person? Right, of course. Yeah. And so then this guy, Yeah is recording him when they're doing the weed and shroom characters. And he's going to try to sell it to entertainment tonight or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they were interested. Uh, imagine that clip like segued with the like chong chong. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably like, another thing that Screech made himself and tried to get. You know, right? Yeah, like, probably. It doesn't sound arable. And he goes, he goes into this whole story about how 
Captain Douchebag needed money for a car, so Screech co-signed the loan, but then the guy didn't pay, and so Screech took back the car, but the guy only had the deed in his name, so technically Screech was stealing the car, and Screech is like, I don't I don't know what's wrong with American jurisprudence, but uh, he wasn't paying these loans, but somehow I stole the car. I'm like, I don't know, it doesn't seem that confusing. You co-signed a loan, that's its own thing. This guy bought the car in his name, you're not attached to it, and you took it. Like, just because you don't understand how things work doesn't mean the law's broken. <laughs> what a dummy to co-sign a loan? Come yeah. on. Yeah. Don't co-sign a loan yeah. with, like, your friends. Or your sketchy stoner your friends. spouse, basically, right? Yeah. Put weed and shrooms, bruh. <laughs> My whole note about that whole chapter is just long story about his shitty friend. Yeah. yeah. Pretty much. That is it. He says Zach was on steroids during the college years. Yeah, I believe that, but... Yeah, we all kind of figured that. He's well, just he was very actually kind of about nice it, about it. And then he, like, got too rage roidy once, and he's like, oh, calm down. I like when he called it the college semester. Yeah. <laughs> he barely said anything about Big Mike. All he said yeah. is that Zach threw a condom at him. Yeah. Yeah, what I liked, I liked the idea that the whole, like, uh, blooper reel after a sitcom became a thing, and now the actors are trying to manufacture their own bloopers, I guess uh, you... I hate them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's bad, but it seemed very... Re- That's almost, like, one of the realest things I saw in there, I guess. Yeah, like, I, like, I could believe I, that. Yeah, and it, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I'm sure that is happening, and that must be super annoying if you're trying to film a sitcom, and now the actors are trying to create their own blooper reels. I like that he got all mad about Kelly joining the college years. He's like, yeah. he's supposed to be about the guys, and then Kelly shows up. And he's like, Zach and Kelly's played out. You're like, no, that was the only really interesting thing about the college years. Also, have we mentioned that somebody tried to kidnap Baby Screech and that he lived with Kelly for a week? Yeah, oh, that's, yeah where, that's right. This is nice part of the plan. inconsistency. He talks about what, like, he hates on Tiffany Amber Thiessen through so much of the book. And then, like, he just kind of inserts that, like, apparently there's, like, a death threat against him. And so then he had to go live with the Thiessens for a while. And you're like, well, that doesn't sound like... <laughs> the... Boy, it, it sure was nice of her fat-ass mom to take you yeah. in. Yeah. I know! How did he have room to sleep when her mom's ass was there? <laughs> right? Like... He's so mean about her, and then you just kind of casually find out, oh, they took him in for a while because he was being stalked. <laughs> and someone tried to snatch him off his bike. Um, who wishes that he got him? Oh, <laughs> 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 and I love, like, I love how, so David, you talked about how in his head, this, the whole Saved by the Bell is supposed to be, like, a buddy comedy with him and Zach. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of his ire towards Tiffany Amber Thiessen, up to and including the college years comment, is basically like this damn broad coming in and ruining this good thing he has with his best bud. Yeah, <laughs> he wants to be bro bros with Zach. He wants and to he, have like Zach give him fuck points. But and no he talks about how they were going to do a European trip and it was supposed to be... Screech and Zach, the original comedy team, touring Paris again. (laughs) But then Kelly caught wind of it and may or may not have parlayed sexual favors into going along with Kelly and Zach. And that's why those two got sent to Paris. And I'm like, 
or maybe they got sent to Paris because they were the show's central couple at the height of its popularity. I know, and it's like he, he wants to be the couple with Zach. This is where I feel like maybe he just seems to have a skewed vision of everything, or Women, that's what yeah. the sense I get, in that yeah. he then he Why? talks about how when they're in <laughs> in Paris, and they somehow parlayed that into like a three-month stay. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then, and ate and up all that... their budget for the Hawaiian movie. Ha ha. Oh, yeah, that was That's awesome. why they just had to go and come back to Hawaii. And I'm just, I'm not even sure how they would do that. Like, you can't yeah. just say, hey, we want to stay longer, and the studio's going to say, okay, here's more money to stay in France. They funded it because that was the two prettiest people ever to fuck. (laughs) And they were doing fuckable teens magazine. You can't ask us to buy that at the same time that you're also talking about how little negotiating power all of you had when it came Mm -hmm. to your contracts. Like, if Zach and Kelly are so golden that they can just call up Peter Angle and be like, bitch, yo, pay for us to chill in Paris for three months, then I feel like they probably could have gotten more money for their stuff but he talks about how yeah. they didn't and they had to like almost get the parents to band together and are and this you know, is threatened to walk from the show if they and didn't have enough money and what it sounds like to me is all he knew was they went off to paris and maybe it was supposed to be for like a week but then it got extended and, I, and then he's just assuming that they must have done something to get it oh extended. yeah he's really and, connecting the dots a lot like, yeah. yeah another thing that drove me nuts speaking of legal discussions He's talking about uh, kids having all their money spent. Oh, yeah, the legal mm-hmm. law. For it became such an actors. issue for children in the industry that 60 years ago they passed a law known as Coogan <laughs> Law, which exists only in California. The law was named for the 1930s child actor Jackie Coogan, who later achieved a second round of fame as Uncle Fester on the 1960s show The Munsters. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be the Adams Family. Wrong right? show starring... Uh, Universal monsters in a sitcom. God damn it, that drove me nuts. Yeah, again, like just fucking check this stuff. Put yeah, all your the paragraphs. Crack research team on this book, right? Put your they paragraphs on the right page. They couldn't stomach working children like that. No, just going back to like skewed vision. That's where because he keeps calling Tiffany Amber Thiessen a slut because he's like uh, she's going between you know Mark Paul and Mario Lopez's uh, dressing room. And part uh-huh. of me is like, I wonder if she's just hanging out with them. And then he's just yeah. assuming they're doing it because he doesn't know what the fuck's going on. And you're and, an adolescent and, because and all you can think him, of is sex, right? Yeah. Right, and if it was him, he'd be doing it with her. So he assumes that they yeah. must be doing it. Like, maybe they're just friends. I mean, maybe they're having yeah, sex. I, I don't know. They could have been. I'm to... not saying, like, that's outside the realm mm-hmm. of possibility, but. When he talked about seeing them naked and. Uh... Oh, in the dressing room. Yeah, and he says, uh, you can only do your best to respect their privacy. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Spoken like a true sex criminal. Um, I mean, that's kind of true, though. If you're changing around actors, like, you look and you're like, oh, that's so dick. Yeah, I know. I liked uh, when he was talking about Tiffany Amberthiessen shuttling back and forth between dressing rooms while... Johnny Dakota, who was played yeah. by her boyfriend at the time, was filming his episode. And uh, he he wrote Eddie, which is the name of the actor. Eddie had no hope because he was Tiffany's dope. Oh. So this book is really well written. That was maybe the best <laughs> line of the book. I feel I like the, know, go- the ghost goes writer. To the runner. 
<laughs> you would like baseball talk. Maybe. All right. So at the very at the very end of the book, he has three appendices because that's that's the kind of book this is. Because it's called uh, one padding. of them. Yeah, one of them is a Save by the Bell drinking game, which is just like any drinking game you've seen. He copy pasted that straight up off the internet. Yeah. That yeah. was maybe sure the did. cheapest. Uh, Appendix B, as Carol mentioned before, was an open letter to all of the women that he's had <laughs> sex with. Where he kind of apologizes and then says he wants to bone him again. Yeah, yeah. it's like a humble brag about his dick and how he's... He's like, sorry that you all got wrecked by my massive purple-headed warrior. Uh, sorry, not sorry. Peace out. Why can't he use, like, a good word for, word for dick? I know, he doesn't use a one good word. He my just medical penis. penis. And yeah. as Ryan brought so up, then I'm appendix. Still, I, I just still feel <laughs> I'm still offended by him convincing a woman to be in a threesome and then talking about how dirty she was afterwards and yeah. he couldn't like deal with it. It's just so yeah. shitty. Yeah, no screech stuff. And then Appendix <laughs> C is basically him giving like a few scattered reminiscence about various episodes. <laughs> and frankly, weird. this is this yeah. is what I would have liked more of the book to have been, like this kind of sort of behind, if of course I trusted any of it. Yeah. Right. Um, cause he mentions that in the Elvis statue, Violet Bickerstaff, kissing Mr. hound Blueberries. dog episode that they were trying to get Kramer to be Screech's oh, dad. Yeah. 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 I, I wonder about, like, I, I doubt that was true. Screech was gonna, or Michael Richards was just gonna say the N word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and then the and then the book just kind of stops. Yeah, the end. Like, and there's really, some extra pages, and it's over. It really feels like you're watching like a, a VHS copy of a movie, and then it just cuts to static at one point. It just stops. And he also he no, it's like the he drops a lot of. The Sopranos set you up for it. Well, this heard, is in no way heard, like The Sopranos. I heard that the idea for the ending of The Sopranos <laughs> no! came from this book. Oh, yeah. no. uh, Just another thing stolen from the D-Man. Of... Don't stop believing. <laughs> he drops a lot of um, what he thinks are revelations about how the show gets made that are all very obvious. Like, oh, Slater and Jesse were lip syncing when they sang, uh, did we ever have a yeah. chance while Zach and Kelly were breaking up? Like, no shit. Hey, did you guys know that when they film TV shows, there isn't a live orchestra providing the music? <laughs> That you hear while you watch it, that all gets like, added post. I do like the thought of watching them like dance in the max with no music as the audience is watching, <laughs> and how awkward. Oh yeah, that no, would be. that'd be. Yeah. Also, he made sure to point out that every time you saw a different classroom on the show, it was the same classroom. <laughs> Wait, that blow your mind. And did you guys know that when Good Morning Miss Bliss became Saved by the Bell? They were originally in Indiana, but then showed up in California with no explanation. I nope, never noticed that. I am so glad that Dustin Diamond <laughs> took the time to point that out to me in this book. Well, it's interesting because if you weren't a nerd like us who was obsessed with this crappy show, you may not realize those things. But at the same time, only a nerd like us <laughs> would read this book. I feel you know, like even a non-nerd that ever watched the show would have realized it's the same fucking classroom every time. Yeah, that's true. 
I really wish that Screech took a couple pages out. He has some extra blanks at the end because the print lot, size yeah. didn't match. I want him to do a rundown of each wig and the name of the wig. All five wigs. Yeah. Who wore it? Where are they now? Where are they now? Yeah. Wig are they now? Anybody Anybody else got anything else before we wrap this up? Uh, he really likes thoughts? Leanna Creel. Yeah, he did. He spoke positively of Tori. Which was... Uh, oh, yeah. He said yeah. that um, Tori Spelling has negative boobs. He's yeah. right about that. <laughs> this is just his... <laughs> but it's just his entire tendency in the book to yes. rate every woman who shows up on their physical yeah. attraction. Yeah, he's got, like, and, Terminator eyes. He's like, yeah. this has boobs, this does and not to have put, boobs. Uh, and to thought. put down any other celebrity. Yeah. Well, except he spe- he says that Will Smith was a strong tress player. Yeah. They chest backstage together because they're on the same... Uh, yeah, a lot. Yep, yep. I like to think Will Smith is just nice to everybody. I At least once upon a time. Now shattered. he's probably now he's probably weirdly like science because he's all Scientology. I know it's all Scientology, and that sucks. Yeah. I don't like to think about it. I know. Um, he kind of goes back and forth on some people. Like he sort of makes peace with Zach and says he's okay at the end. Um, yeah, like I kind of like he gives him shit for taking steroids during the college years, but then. He praises him for, like, coming clean about it and admitting he shouldn't have done it. <laughs> it yeah. feels like this is just his flip-flopping and everything. Like, he really attacks some people, and then he, like, just backtracks. He's like, uh, not really. And it, and so it really makes you realize <laughs> he really hated Mario Lopez because he never backtracked on that. Yeah. Yeah. I get that. Uh, I liked his characterization of St. Peter. Peter mm-hmm. Engel and how he was like born again after being an alleged huge party boy. He just like yeah. had a coke blowout and overdose. He's like, no, I'm gonna be a Christian again. And then he got mad at Screech for putting out Halloween cards, which is- <laughs> <laughs> it does. Like that's again one of those. Like I I believe that because it helps explain just why the show is so squeaky clean oh, yeah. for so long. Yeah. Also, you can like picture Peter Engel's like drug deteriorated brain writing all these plots. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's like yeah. Ozzy Osbourne, except now he's going Christian. He's like, oh, um, eh. Well, and it's sad because it's like, he's not getting any work. So he's trying to write this book and just at least cash in on selling everyone else out. And right. then this Thank book you. didn't make any money. It was yeah, I know. Sold, <laughs> probably sold like 15 copies. Someone needed to teach him that no one liked his face. It never went to paperback. <laughs> Yeah, I was, I with the publisher. was surprised and impressed. It is a hard copy, hardcover book. Well, because hardcovers come out first. Well, unless you're already like know your limitations. No, but books that don't make it to softcover are a bigger problem than mm. hardcover. Like books get released yeah. in hardcover, and then if they do well enough, they get released in softcover. Yeah, that's a thing. Unless you like bypass the publishing industry entirely. Well, that's the well, thing. Yeah. Is this book yeah. was going to be almost. published by a real publisher, and then it never was and so you can basically tell this book is basically like a lulu book oh yeah no it's totally it it, it seems like a self-published kind of a thing i mean it's yeah, not they... transit transit publishing is the publisher but they're definitely not a big wig in the publishing world yeah beyond like just the lack of editing as far as like grammar goes and like repeated paragraph <laughs> there's like no flow to the entire thing like he just meanders yeah. around yeah. whatever's on his mind as austin pointed yeah. out stories don't go where you're thinking or just kind of end and nothing is in chronological order and he just like throws random stuff and it's 
very do you think he got together. slimed and forgot to tell us, or do you think they just didn't slime him on the Nick Awards? And that's the end ex- of the story. He explained why he didn't get slimed. That is not a good story. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but he did piss off Criss Cross. So. <laughs> what a yep. shit thing to do. Like, they have enough problems. They don't need Dustin <laughs> Diamond brushing up on them. Isn't yeah. one of them dead? I bet. I think so, yeah. I think one of them died. Which one? Cross, because yeah. that's his grave, <laughs> is the cross. cross. Yes. Uh, David, what did you learn today? Well, I can tell you one thing I didn't learn from the book, and that's whether or not Tori Spelling actually sang her parts in the uh, television I show. know. I know. Right? Still, we still need to know that. And then I apparently learned well, that Dustin Diamond is prison. in <laughs> What's that? Send a letter to prison. Yeah. Right yeah. Why Just haven't we done it? done it? There's never a better time to get undivided readership when someone is in the institution. <laughs> Why haven't we been his pen pal? You think he's still yeah, we... the most male? <laughs> in his cell? <laughs> yes. The most fan male. God, I still don't believe. I don't know. He always talked about how Speech was the most popular character on the show. That's something that, I get. That's me, 100. I don't believe that's... that. Yeah, that's 100% fabrication on his end. I cannot <laughs> believe in any world that Screech was the most popular character on that right. show at any point in time. Like, I can buy that maybe once upon a time, kids that didn't know any better found some of his antics funny, but there's no way I will ever buy that he was the most popular character. Yeah, every time he was like, and they were a big Screech fan. I'm just like, what? No. Yeah. No one, no one is a Screech fan. No there one. might be some people who are like, "Yeah, I guess he's okay," or just be like, "Hey, it's Screech." <laughs> Fuck you, Screech. Yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna say what I learned apparently was that Dustin Diamond gets very excited about fecal matter. Oh yeah, Disney finger. Ryan, I wish what did I you didn't learn, learn that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could unlearn that one. Oh, everything about the Screech porn, I wish I could just unknow, but. A piece of my soul has been killed through the making of this podcast, and I don't well, think that wasn't really him. I know, yeah, that's true. but the book didn't help either. It still darkened my soul. Ryan, what'd you learn? <laughs> um, well, can I say a real thing? Yeah, yeah. No, um, because I don't know. I think I told you guys I interviewed Cato Kalin one time for a new. <laughs> I did not know that. No, I just learned that. No, I didn't. Okay. Um. I didn't think I was going to get the world exclusive. On <laughs> well, now you're not with that attitude. Yeah, I know, right? Come on, be a go-getter, Ryan. Turned out he knew all along, and he's just waiting for me to. Ask. <laughs> I'm finally ready to open up. No, but I actually, being like a working uh, artist or whatever, I've thought about this a lot. Like, what does success mean, and all that shit. Mm-hmm. And I really like learned this really interesting thing from this interaction with Kato Kalin, which is that like he knows that he's Kato Kalin. Like, he knows how that kind of limits him and what people's preconceived notions are of him. But he was, like, willing to accept it. And he was also like, I fucking live in show business and I make more money than most people and I get to do cool shit all the time. Like, he had really made peace with the amount of bullshit that came with the very weird form of success that he had. Right. And that really affected, I I've always remember, that was like 10 years ago I interviewed him. And I just, I always remember that. And I thought of that when I was reading this book, because this is like the opposite end. Right. This is someone who cannot make peace. Like, if he was willing to just get a little house and live really simply for $60,000 a year. Which would be so easy. Yeah. He would just be fine. He could never work again. He could go on nice vacations. Right. And then he yeah. could give himself that 10-year break where Hollywood might want him again, like Mickey Rooney. 
Yeah. That's the one, yeah. right? Old Hollywood. Like, he finally yeah. stopped mm-hmm. getting gigs when he was, like, 30, and then he took two years, ten years off, and then everyone was like, oh, we want him now that he's old. But if right. you had that young career, you just want, gotta let it breathe a little bit. But he has nothing to offer. Like, he'll oh, no. never be good. Isn't that Mickey Rooney's charm? No, because some people are, like, you know, get comedy roles for ten years, and then they do a dramatic role, and they reinvent themselves. But he doesn't, he wasn't even good at his shitty comedy role. He could just go into, like, avenues of cameos and stuff and just get some yeah. extra money and then live simply yeah it's it's well, just a matter of having that, self-awareness like kato kaylin yes had, you know and being humble yeah and be comfortable thing, with where you are with your self-awareness of who you are the other thing i learned is when it comes to butt stuff a little bit goes a long way <laughs> yes i'm glad you got that down it's important safety make sure to around. lube it up too oh yeah go go easy on her uh carol <laughs> what did you learn um, I learned that there is a blonde, poofy-haired nerd whose character name and actor name was Kevin. <laughs> may have I, possibly been Herbert Honus. Yeah. So do you think Who he else? just got the name wrong? Because I, I thought about this, but there was no nerd named Kevin. I no, know. There wasn't. I he know. got everything yes. wrong, so why wouldn't he so have the that is the question... And the robot's name was Kevin, and actually, I couldn't find a passage, and I wanted to double-check that it was Kevin, and I'm not even on Yeah, no, it is. It was Kevin. He talked <laughs> yes. about the poofy-haired nerd being Kevin. Yeah, so the question is, is Herbert Hodes' actor's name Kevin? Yes. Or is Probably. it Herbert? I don't think it's anyone's name. Oh, yeah, you're right, because he could have gotten that part of it. Like, it's he could true. be right about the character having the same name as the actor. Yeah. He be wrong the... about the name... Or he could be wrong about him having Kevin a... being the character's name. Yeah. Could you well, just I'm imagine Dustin Diamond's just a douche who doesn't bother to remember the uh, character's names? Or, uh, totally. No one yeah, just no calls them by their character Herbert. name and be like, oh, his name's Herbert. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go on Facebook. Yes. <laughs> and I'm just going to type Kevin. Yeah. And I'll every Kevin until I find Herbert Hodes. Thank you, Ryan, if, for finally making good use of your time. If that doesn't work, I will then do a search for Herbert. For Herbert. <laughs> There's another thing. It might be that Kevin the robot's actor name was Kevin. Yeah, that he could have very well. Yep, yep. Uh, and the other thing I learned is where David Weiner got his inspiration for the ending of The Sopranos, the best yeah. television show ever, from Dustin Diamond's book. You mean David Chase? Yeah, David Chase. Slash Wiener, slash all the Davids. I was going to say, wait, no, that's Matthew Wiener that was the Mad Men guy, and David Chase that was the Sopranos. And David Wiener just is the guy who showed his Wiener? That's my name. David Wiener's just a name you made up. (laughs) That's a guy. That's a guy. I think David Wiener was a name you made up when you were thinking of David Chase and Matthew Wiener, and you put them together. (laughs) Sounds sounds like I'm the most reliable narrator, and you guys are all stupid jerks who think you're so cool. Carol, I'm not reading your tell-all book. About the making of this podcast. Yeah. Double paragraphs are gonna burn you twice. Carol's like, I got the most fan mail. Um, everyone was good, but I was better at everything. Back in 2005 when we started the podcast, <laughs> David was totally roided up through the whole thing. He reached out and broke a table. And the cat one. No, it's my cat is roided up. He just gets angry. <laughs> High on that nip. <laughs> all right. I learned I learned all kinds of fascinating things like celebrities are real people too, and the music gets added in in post production, and what? they were lip syncing that one time, and all sorts of revelatory behind the scenes stuff. 
Relevatory. Uh, Except I didn't really learn any of that because everybody already knew that because we're not fucking idiots. So I didn't really learn anything at all. But I learned that Ryan interviewed Kato Kalen, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) I made a comic out of it. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, if we wanted to find that comic or any other comics that you may have on the vast interwebs, where might we go to do that? Well, I have a website. It's called ohyesverynice.com. That's O-H-Y-E-S-VeryNice.com, which is just about my artwork. Nothing to do with being a weird podcasting guy. Uh, oh, yes, very nice. Comics is my Tumblr, where I've been putting new stuff up. And it's also my Instagram and my Twitter. Uh, Carol, same question, but with your name in place of Ryan's. <laughs> my name is Carolyn Main. C-A-R-O-L-Y-N. <laughs> M-A-I-N, like the street. That's the easy part. You can find me at www.carolynmain.com. Uh, Carolyn Main on Tumblr. Rawr. Carolyn Main on Twitter. Uh, Carolyn Main is a Facebook fan page as well. So you'll see me haunting around this podcast website and our next podcast, next website. And I'll see you on the internet, homies. Uh, David, how about you? Uh, you can find me at therealgentlemanofleisure.com and on Twitter at Dr. Bits, where I can guarantee you I have zero self-awareness. <laughs> <laughs> and you're always uh, posting that purple monster. Yeah, yeah always the trouser the snake, the monster. You want me to, you want to get to unleash the monster? You, uh, you can follow me, the A-Man, on Twitter at <laughs> Austin Gorton. Um, uh, incidentally, I was very, I, I'd never, I never really put this together until I was reading this book. I was very disturbed that Dustin Diamond and I have essentially the same first name sans one different letter. Oh, okay. Hi, Dustin Gordon. Gordon. Dustin yeah. And you both I, I, don't shut up about your uh, penis either. I yeah, assume we on. have that in common as well. <laughs> uh, so yes, yeah, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Austin Gordon. Uh, you can read my writing at therealgentlemanofleisure.com. Uh, as for our show, Saved by the Bell Reviewed, which is slowly winding down. Just two more episodes left after this one. Yay! You... I'm going to write such a tell-all about <laughs> all you bastards. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at SBTB underscore reviewed. You can check out our website, sbtbreviewed.com, where you can download and listen to all of our episodes. You can like our Facebook page and talk to us there. Send us an email at sbtbreviewed at gmail.com. And rate, review us on iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, and Stitcher. And even though we're almost done, you can still rate and review us, because then it'll make sure that uh, our episodes will be there at the top of iTunes page for all time. And uh, also, be sure to check out our follow-up podcast to Save by the Bell Reviewed, a very special episode. Uh, hopefully by now our website will be up, which is a very special episode podcast.com. And you can uh, follow that show's Twitter account at AVSEPod and email us. Yes, we have that now. And you can email that show at AVSEPodcast at gmail.com. That is all for this Dustin Diamond extravaganza. And Saved by the Bell Reviewed, I am Austin Gordon, reminding you to never, ever, under any circumstances, trust the dust. I knew I watched the show, and
the night is go, basic highs on my Zach. Let's chill out at the max. Even building panic attacks with me and all my snacks. As I lay awake at night and my wisdom. I'm 